Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth. We are in the book of 2 Samuel and we made it to chapter 18. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. So now David is the same King David returning to um, reclaim his kingdom. He's been exiled by his own son, Absalom, um, who just recently put on a ancient porn show for the whole community to see. He had sex with all of his father's side pieces in public so that everyone could witness it and see it so that word could get back to his father, King David, who's on the run. So now David is mustering his armies and counting them. Verse 2, then David sent out one-third of the people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Etay, the Gittite, and the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you, my, go out with you myself. So he's got his three commanders of his um, forces uh, sending them out, and he's telling them he's going to join them for the battle. And remember, it's against his son that he's now willing to fight against, uh, even though that's who also has him uh, fleeing, his son, Absalom. Verse 3, but the people answer, you shall not go out. For if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if half die, will they care about us. But you are worth 10,000 now, for you are now more help to us in the city. So they're telling David, King David, to stay back, to not go out with them to the battle because he'd be the prize in the battle if one of the opposing team, opposing army, were to kill him, that that would be worth killing thousands of them. So they're literally literally letting him know his life is more valuable than theirs in the grand scheme of things of the battle anyway verse four then the king said to them whatever seems best to you i will do so the king stood beside the gate and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands so he's got thousands of thousands of people on his side that is david and he's saying whatever the commanders of his army think is best, he'll go along with it. So he stayed back since that's what they decided is the best thing to do. Verse 5, now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ite, saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains orders concerning Absalom. So even though Absalom is the one they're all on the run from, the one that David fled from his son that he wasn't willing to take on head to head and left the city, left the throne uh, because of that. Now he's asking the men of war, uh, the three commanders he's sending out to be gentle with Absalom. So handle him with kid gloves. Don't just rough him up. Verse six. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. So Israel is not um, the same Israel as we think of it now. Uh, and it wasn't even the same back then. Israel originally was a person's name. Jacob had his name changed to Israel. Then after he had kids, those kids broke into different tribes. And then those tribes coll collectively became known as Israel. Now they're divided, whereas one tribe, Judah, is, this, um, is sort of its own tribe with David and uh, his family as the lead of them. Whereas all the rest of the tribes are collectively now known as Israel at this point anyway. And that's who he's battling against. 
Um, verse 7, the people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. So thousands and thousands are dying because of the father-son rivalry or trouble going on between them, David and his son Absalom. Thousands are dying for that cause. Verse 8, for the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. So it's saying that the territory was so rough out in the woods that people were dying from the land and the terrain there, um, even more so than um, the battle. The more were being killed off by the treacherous land than the swords of the people they're fighting. Verse 9, then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree, and his head caught in the terebinth, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. So that sounds like something out of a fairy tale, that the he's riding on a mule, and the mule has sense enough to go beneath the uh, branch, but he doesn't duck down and doesn't miss it and ends up getting his head basically caught in the limbs of a tree so that he's dangling. That's how it reads. Verse 10, now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a terebinth tree. So now word is getting back to one of David's army commanders, Joab, one of his fiercest commanders, that someone has spotted Absalom, the one that they're after, the one heading up the ops army. Verse 11, so Joab said to the man who told him, you just saw him, and why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you 10, 10 shekels of silver and a belt. So now Joab saying, bump what David said, you should have killed him when you had the chance. He's upset that somebody saw the opportunity to get rid of the enemy and didn't take it, and even telling him he would have rewarded him with 10 shekels and a belt, like a wrestling belt, I guess, to show his valiance in the war. Verse 12, but the man said to Joab, though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Etay, saying, beware lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. So the um, person who's reported news that he saw Absalom hanging in the tree is letting Joab know he knows as well as he does that David said to be gentle with Absalom and not to hurt him, even though that's who they're going against in the battle. Um, verse 13. Um, so some versions of the Bible may read, protect the young man, Absalom, for me, as um, being the quotation that the person says that they heard David say. Um, I'm reading the New King James Version, um, so that's, you know, that's how it reads in the version I'm reading. Um, let's see the version how we previously read it um, verse 13 so, um, otherwise I would have dealt falsely against my own life for there's nothing hidden from the king and you yourself would have set yourself against me so the person who reported the news to Joab is no fool he knows that if he did end up hurting the king's son then not only would he be in trouble for it his life would be in danger for it and the one who would put it in danger would be the same Joab who's telling him he should have killed him. He knows Joab would have turned on a dime on him, um, in other words. Verse 13, otherwise I would have, oh, sorry, read that one. Verse 14, then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. 
and he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. So Joab wasn't having it. He went on and killed Absalom, which makes sense. He knows that that's the person who's put him and his family, David and him and all of that crew, thousands of people on the run from where they were comfortable. They were all living it up in the kingdom as generals and army um, uh, soldiers under King David. And then they all had to flee because his son decided to seize the throne. So Joab is paying no attention to the orders to be gentle with Absalom. He went on and killed him. Verse 15, and 10 young men who bore at Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. So Joab struck a blow, at blow and killed him. And so did also the armor bearers who are with Joab. Verse 16, so Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing Israel for Joab held back the people. So um, Joab is a, a, apparently an effective commander. He held the people back um, and ordered them through uh, their moves in the war, in the battle. And now he's blowing the trumpet, letting them know um, it's over. You can head back. Verse 17, and they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. So now Joab and his army has turned back, and all Israel, the opposing army, has also fled and um, gone back to their tents. Verse 18. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name. And to this day, it is called Absalom's monument. So um, Absalom apparently built a monument to himself, a statue of himself um, as a memorial, since he, apparently he didn't have any sons. He probably might have had daughters, but he clearly says he didn't have any sons. So he made a monument to himself. And one other thing about that verse, notice how it ended with to this day in the last clause of that verse, last sentence of that verse, letting us know, this is someone retroactively writing this, not written contemporaneously, because otherwise it wouldn't say to this day, meaning when the scribe or whoever it is who wrote this down, and again, it's not Samuel because Samuel is long dead. It's whoever scribed it and passed on the story to be uh, memorialized here, writing it down that at the time they wrote it down, that monument to Absalom was still around. Now, whether that monument is still around to this day, 2022, almost 2023, I have no idea, but to that point it was. Verse 19, then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok said, let me run now and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him on his enemies. So Ahimaaz, one of those faithful to King David, one of those who agreed to be a spy, basically, um, while they pretended to work for Absalom, is telling Joab that he should be the one to run back with news of the victory uh, over Absalom's armies to King David. And just so um, as a footnote, Lord here is in all caps and it's being, capital, it's being translated in English to Lord from the word Jehovah, which is a Hebrew word, just so you know. And like I said again in the end, that's not consistent. Verse 20, and Joab said to him, you shall not take the news this day for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead. 
So Joab is letting him know, no, 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 don't run back and give the news to David because uh, his son is dead. So no, wait till another day to take the report back to him. Verse 21, and Joab said to the Cushite, go tell the king what you've seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. So rather than send Ahimaaz, who was willing to be a spy for King David, uh, back with the news, he's sending someone else, someone who's a foreigner to them, a Cushite, meaning he's from the land of Cush, presumably. He's sending him back and telling him to go back with the news to King David. Verse 22, And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So Joab said, Why will you run? my son, since you have no news ready. So uh, Joab is wondering, what's it to you? Why are you anxious to go take the news back? You don't have any new news to tell, any more news than the Cushite has to tell. You just want to go tell the same thing he's going to tell. Verse 23, but whatever happens, he said, let me run. So he said to him, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. So Presumably, that's why Ahimaaz wanted to take it, wanted to go ahead and run, because he knew a shortcut, basically, that would still allow him to get back to King David first and get the news to him before a foreigner could, the Cushite. Verse 24. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running alone. So one of the watchmen is keeping an eye out for, you know, the boundaries, the borders, and he sees someone running um, while David is within the borders, within presumably in the, you know, stronghold. Verse 25, then the watchman cried out and told the king. The king said, is he, is he alone? There's, if he is alone, there's news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. So David is asking, is the person he sees running alone? And if so, then he's probably a messenger. Verse 26, then the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, there's another man running alone. And the king said, he also brings news. So David figures it's two men running toward him. Both have news in their mouth. Verse 27, so the watchman said, I think that the run I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said he's a good man and comes with good news. So Ahimaaz must have been pretty famous or at least very well known for someone to even recognize his running. Um, and that that was how the watchman was able to spot who he was before he even got there. And David is assuming that it must be good news because it's coming from a good man, according to him. Verse 28, so Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, all is well? Oh, wait, so, all, so Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, all is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. So Ahimaaz is um, kind of being deceitful with what he's telling him. He's starting out with good news, letting King David know he's got the victory. The people who opposed him have been defeated, but he knows good and well what's happened to his son. Verse 29, the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. So now Ahimaaz is being kind of deceitful. 
he kind of because he doesn't he might have seen a tumult and he might not have known what it was about but he's not answering um, King David's question about Absalom's safety <clears throat> instead excuse me he's responding to something that wasn't even asked he's letting him know that oh yeah there's somebody else running with news too um, but I came to bring you the news also um, but as I was leaving there was a commotion I guess he knows he doesn't want to be the bearer of that bad news Verse um, 30, and the king said, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. So Ahimaaz, the messenger who outran the other one, got there first before the Cushite and delivered the good news that king David that David's side had the victory, but that there was also a, a commotion starting as he left. Uh, verse 31, just then the Cushite came and the Cushite said, there's good news, my lord, king. For the Lord has avenged you this day on, of all those who rose against you. So it's basically the same message that Ahimaaz brought. Um, so in that, Joab was right. He's not bringing any, uh, the, the Ahimaaz didn't bring any news that the Cushite didn't have to bring. That victory is David's. Verse 32, and the king said to the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all who rise against you to do harm be like that man, be like that young man. So that's the bad news for King David. He's letting, the Hushite is letting David know that um, the same thing that happened to that enemy of his should be the same thing that happens to all of his enemies. Um, not good. Verse 33, then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only in your place, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So um, if you've read with me before, and there's only a few of you who read along with me anyway, you know how come there's certain words I've skipped over, said, read the verse, but didn't read them out loud. If it's your first time reading with me, I'd suggest check out what Jesus says. He's who Christianity is named for, his role, Christ, uh, in Matthew 12, 37, about the energy, the power, and the spoken word. So if you once you read that and understand there's power to manifesting things in the spoken word and saying things out loud, then it would become more clear. If you've read with me before, then you already know all of this. So what um, verse 33 David is uh, crying out, lamenting, mourning, crying out because now he realizes his son is dead. And that's the news that the Cushite came running to bring him. That not only does he have victory from the people who were um, his enemies, but his main enemy, his own son, is also dead. And um, so that was enough to break him up and um, make him break down. He's left the crowd and headed back to his private chambers where he can cry. Um, that's the last verse in this chapter. So that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. I love you and I'll see you next time. God bless you and peace be with you.